Hello and welcome back to the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I really hope that you enjoy it. Uh, today I'm going to talk about the World Superbike Championship and last weekend's round in Argentina at the San Juan circuit and my goodness me was it a controversial weekend with rider boycotts and a dirty track and uh, all sorts of all the action was was off the track not an awful lot of action on track as we'll talk about as we go through the episode but yeah quite a controversial um a controversial weekend in the uh, in the world superbike paddock so when all the riders arrived um on um on Wednesday Thursday last week um at the circuit they found a track that was nowhere near the standard that is acceptable um, for um, for competitive motorbike racing, particularly at the the top level, and uh, it has been reported that the track um, did not meet the homologation standards. However, was signed off for for running a lot of the a lot of the work that had been you know been requested to to be com- to be completed after some F- FIM visits um, had I had had been. Um, had had been ta- you know had taken place but not nowhere near the standard it should be and basically throughout the throughout free practice and in the super pole qualifying sessions the riders became increasingly more um, worried and and concerned with the uh, with the condition of the circuit and so a lot of the riders got together including those on the safety commission which is uh, Charles Davies Jonathan Ray. Uh, Eugene Laverty and Leon Camier, um, who are four of the more experienced riders on the grid, um, who are who are part of the safety commission to ensure that any concerns of the riders as a whole uh, are addressed and that any safety issues can be dealt with um, through the you know through the voice of the riders as uh, as well. So um, following Superpole, the um, the con- the temperature in the circuit was incredibly high. Um, a little much much higher than it would have been on Sunday and in this hot temperature the the track just became absolutely lethal very very dusty and muddy and 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 cover you know really really loose loose surface but one of the biggest issues was was during the during the hot temperatures they would actually the oil would would come out of the would draw oil would draw through the surface because the the tarmac itself is not the right mixture it's not racing track tarmac it's been laid by guys that are laying laying the roads all around the area so it's very much a, a low rent setup and not suitable whatsoever for um for world championship riding so so the night before the first the first race on Saturday afternoon, ninety percent reportedly ninety percent of the riders were completely against uh, riding in the race. Only one or two wished to go. Uh, one of those being um, uh, Mercado, the local Argentinian rider, and strangely Alvaro Batista. He was all for going, but well, he went. He ended up winning the first race, so that's maybe not a surprise. But um, but the, the 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 race actually ended up being delayed slightly. And a number of the riders who had been part of that group saying they didn't wish to ride, all of a sudden had to quickly put on their leathers and make their way to the grid. Um, and But still six six riders uh, remained, um, which were Chaz Davies, um, Eugene Laverty, Leon Camier, um, Marco Melandri, Sandro Cortez, 
Tese, and there's one other who I've uh, slipped my mind. Um, oh, and Ryuichi Kianari, um, who all decided they, they stood their ground and uh, decided not to ride, um, despite some had had pressure from their teams, some hadn't. Um, Leon Kamier, um said to Eurosport um, that he he had the full support of, of, of Honda, of HRC, and they they left the decision very much with him, which was, I thought was, was very impress- impressive. But Clearly, there's something. I mean, Leon Haslam, who was really against the, the you know one of the strongest, um, you know, the, one of the strongest voices against riding uh, in that first race in those treacherous conditions on the San Juan circuit. Um, all of a sudden, he he did have to take to the grid, and uh, there's a lot of rumours going around that the Kawasaki team managers were um, quite forceful uh, in getting their riders to to go and turn up and and to take the grid. So. A complete mess, really. Um, something that shouldn't, uh, should never even, should never even have happened. To have six riders not take the grid, uh, and the rest all take the grid. Some of them very much reluctantly. Um, and you know, you got to remember these guys. It's it, in these situations. What angers me is that a lot of the time, you know, riders who are put, put, putting up a you know, putting up a, a front, or you know, they're saying, you know, I don't, I, I don't believe this is safe. Then, if if a if a world championship motor right cycle racer is saying this is not safe, then you know that it is it is beyond what is acceptable because racing a motor by nature, racing a motorbike at world championship level is a very dangerous pursuit, and so their tolerance for danger is already very high. So for them to say that this is too dangerous to race, that usually means that that you should listen to them because they know they're they know what they're talking about. They're only people who have sat on the bike and have competed at that level on track um, understand what it's what it's like. So to have such a large part of the grid saying that they didn't feel that it was safe, and you know clearly the track that was not meeting the homologation standard, but was signed off for whatever reasons, politics, money, there's usually two things that come into it. Um, it was really quite quite disappointing. And, uh, the, you know, Eugene Laverty and Leon Camier were very, very frank in their interview with Eurosport just after the first race. Um, and, you know, they were... Eugene Laverty was very, very critical of Jonathan Ray, who had been standing with them and then decided to... You know, decided to race anyway. So they were quite disappointed by that kind of breaking of rank. But... I guess there'll be a lot of things that go on behind closed doors that we will all never know about and we can only speculate. But you, I, I, I don't even know if I can see both sides, really. Um, I think if the riders are saying, if the majority of the riders are saying that, uh, that, that the track is not safe enough, then it's not safe enough. It's as simple as that. And it's not really the, the fault of the riders for you know saying that and it's not all, all, almost not the fault of the team managers who've got to try and encourage them to go out and have a go anyway it's the fault of the you know the race organizers the track themselves and the FIM the governing body to actually make sure that the track is safe before anyone goes out there and that 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 track should be safe you know weeks if not months before it shouldn't be done at the last minute and that sh- the track should be signed off um, and given time for for things to be changed if they need to, so the fact that we're still dealing with this sort of thing, I think, is totally unacceptable. In a sport like motorcycle racing, it is more than dangerous enough. These guys are are risking, you know, life and limb, um, for to you know for the good of their sport and 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 for you know the joy of winning. But they, you know, and it's a job for them. We know, but 
um, there's 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 a level of risk that's acceptable, and 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 I don't I don't think that was. By probably out of raw luck than anything else, thankfully in race number one, which the race which was boycotted by six riders, thankfully everybody got through cleanly uh, and there was no accidents. But you could very much see that the the riders were 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 taking things very very gently indeed. Uh, and what happened across not only the first race but the other races as well that despite a little bit of excitement in the first couple of laps, every single race opened out into a very, very processional, you know, riders, big gaps between them. And because there's really, there was no way, if you came, a bit like riding in the wet, if you if you went offline, uh, you were, it was just like riding on the wet. Um, so you had to go keep on very much the ideal line. And therefore, there was no room to, to make an overtaking manoeuvre. So it led for three very tedious races, unfortunately. And that is something that, Every tedious race that goes by is is really damaging World Superbike's um, reputation and and following, um, and and that is what that's. If there's any category of motorcycle racing at the moment that can't afford that, it's World Superbikes. If you look at British Superbikes, the spectacle's fantastic, and MotoGP as well. Um, but um, but yeah, World Superbikes just just can't afford it. So race one, uh, so Alvaro Batista come back to come back to the top step of the podium, really utilizing the the fantastic grunt of that Ducati V4R down the straights and his also his diminutive stature, um, really helping and his and his his lightweight, um, to to really gain an advantage on on the straight. So Batista was the was was the winner, um, followed by Jonathan Ray and the oh, the fantastic young rider Top Rack Razgati Oglu, who will make a a jump from his independent Kawasaki team, um, to uh, the the um uh, Crescent Yamaha Pata Yamaha team next uh, next year. Um, they were followed by um Michael Van der Mark, the Dutchman in fourth, and Alex Lowe's uh, in fifth. Alex Lowe's who uh you know lost has lost his Yamaha ride quite surprisingly has lost his Yamaha ride to top rack Razgati Oglo. However, he will be taking um that coveted second Kawasaki seat alongside Jonathan Ray for next season. So we're gonna I'm sure we're gonna see some fireworks there and also one of the oh, you couldn't ask for a better Suzuka eight hour team than Sam uh, than Alex Lowe's and uh, and Jonathan Ray. In race two in the Super Bowl race, so race one takes place on a Saturday and race two, the Super Bowl race, which is a shortened 10 lap race and race three is in the Saturday, is the Sunday afternoon. So you race one on the Saturday and then two races on the Sunday. Thankfully that Sunday, um, the conditions were much, much uh, cooler, uh, about 12 degrees cooler, which made all the difference for the track to be in a lot more acceptable conditions. And again, another frustrating thing was that the riders who said in, uh, elected not to ride and or and some who did end up riding in the end in race one they said before race one saying look let's park up today it's going to be much cooler tomorrow for the two races let's do fu- two full length races tomorrow um and and in on sunday and then we we can all we can all get on with it i think that was a very a very sensible proposition. You still get two full-length races, and you're you're taking out a lot of of safety risk from that higher temperature, bringing the oil out the track and all, all sorts of things, and they're not so good for the tires as well. Um, uh, but that was that was not that was not um, accepted, which I think was a great pity. But 
Anyway, in race two, uh, in the Super Bowl race, Jonathan Ray um, cruised to victory, followed by Alvaro Bautista and top-ranked Razgati Oglu again, with uh, a resurgent Chance Davies in fourth uh, and Alex Lowe's in fifth. And in race three, uh, Jonathan Ray again taking the win um, ahead of, of Chaz Davies and top rack Razgati Oglu. So I want to talk a wee bit about, about um, Chaz Davies. This is the first time, more or less all season, that we've seen him properly running at the front. And it looked at one point during race three, they actually had the pace to catch Ray. Uh, he made light work of his teammate who dropped back to fifth. And it's really been the first first time that we've seen Chaz Davies making it, you know, making any sort of any sort of results. So, which is nice to see. He did have a recent test um, a few weeks ago, uh, where in fact, following that test, he actually, because the test itself ran on a little bit, uh, and his uh, his team had to take the truck on to the next race in Europe. Um, he actually threw his, you know, probably quarter of a million pound. Um, factory Ducati Panigale V4R into the back of his van um, with him and his him and his wife uh, and drove the bike down to the next race with this priceless piece of exotic race bike in the, in the back of the van. So very much old school. It's almost, almost Joey Dunlop-esque taking a factory bike in the back of a van. is very, very cool. I think that was quite cool. But I think possibly that maybe at that recent test they found something to get Chaz a bit more comfortable on that bike. And next year he'll be joined in that team by Scott Ray who has a much much more similar uh, build to to Chaz? They're both very tall riders, and of course Bautista, uh, his current teammate, is one of the shortest riders on the grid. So I think having two guys of similar build, um, similar hard riding style, it might be that they'll be able to get a bike that's going to work for for both of them uh, at the same time. Rather than at the moment, clearly the bike this year is is, is suited Bautista, but not necessarily um, Chaz Davies and. Remember, you know, Chance Davies had a couple of couple of difficult seasons, but remember, there has been times where I think it was about three or four years ago where he did four doubles in a row um, to finish off the season. So he's very much capable. When the bike is right, he's capable as any to to go out and win races. But it's always been the case of putting together uh, a whole championship um, fight. So let's see, let's see. The last mention goes to Jonathan Ray. I mean, Jonathan Ray is a really tough um, position for him as the world champion. He's the one that everyone wants to stand behind, and he's unfortunately he's the one who's by you know buying being a five-time world champion. He has the biggest voice when it comes to a safety matter, and he reportedly wasn't happy to race, but then in the end took to the grid and decided to go and give it a go, and. What he showed over the, the, the weekend at Argentina over all three races, he had a second place and two wins. And it just shows you that he, no matter what the situation is, no matter how desperate the situation, he will, whatever the maximum is, you can, you can Jonathan Ray will deliver that for you. And that's one, one of the reasons why he's more than 140 points ahead of anybody else in the championship, because he is just so good about if he can't win he'll he'll maximize it and you'll you know you, you, if you see him off the podium you, you you that's a rare occasion so i think just that the argentina this weekend very very difficult off the track a lot of pressure off the track which clearly he, he handled very very well and that the conditions on the track looked treacherous a bike sliding around a lot very very difficult to to overtake um but 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 jonathan ray handled that handled that beautifully and um, sets himself up for for um, for Qatar for a, a a victory parade lap, if you like, uh, in the final three races of the season at Qatar.
Let's hope we've seen some we've seen some slightly different results uh, at Qatar with the World Superbikes over the last few years. Let's hope we get a little bit of a shake up um, in uh, at, at Qatar. Get some good racing to close off the season. Uh, it has been as it has been a little bit of a difficult season for World Superbikes to get that get that entertainment factor and to get those those you know get get some races to get people talking about World Superbikes again for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons like we saw this weekend. But you know we're got Alex Lowe's going to Kawasaki alongside Jonathan Ray. That's going to be hugely exciting. You know, you, you, Alex Lowe's has been in the World Superbikes for quite a long time now, since 2014, and to go head to head on the best, well, on the best bike on the grid with Jonathan Ray, with a five-time world champion, it's and it's a brilliant opportunity for him to prove himself. Ducati, we're going to have Scott Redding, um, who could come in as British Superbike champion. We'll find out uh, this weekend if that will be the case. But coming back to the World Championship fold, uh, alongside Chaz Davies, we're going to have top Razgati Oglu on the Yamaha. Uh, it's going to be wonderful to see. And we've got this still mysterious Honda project, factory Honda project with Alvaro Bautista and somebody else, eh, another at the moment, um, who knows what that will be. Will that just be what we're seeing at the moment with a bike that can't even make it into the top 10 on a regular basis? Or is it going to be an absolute rocket like we saw this year with the Ducati Panigale V4R coming in and pulverising the field through the first 10 or 12 races? So let's wait and see what that Honda is going to be. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I think everyone else in the paddock will be will be feeling the same. Um, but let's let's wait and see. Thanks for listening to uh, this episode, the little uh, recap um, of the the World Superbike Round in Argentina. Unfortunately, there's not really an awful lot to talk about in terms of the on track action. Sadly, all the all of the action was off the track. But um, I hope I hope you uh, enjoyed hearing a little bit about it and the 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 politics of motorsport is, is never far away. Um, if if you want to keep up with the show, uh, you can follow uh, on Podbean. Um, so if you subscribe to our channel and uh, every time a new episode is published, you'll get a little notification on your device to tell you that there's a new episode to listen to. You can also um, get in touch with the show via Facebook, which is the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast, or on Twitter, if you prefer that, uh, which is at Mackay Podcast. Or, or if you're an Instagrammer, uh, it's Peter Mackay Motorsport on there. Or you can do the old-fashioned thing now. You can go on my website, which is www.petermackaymotorsport.com. I would love to hear from you, and would love to hear what you think of the show and anything you'd like us to cover. Um, I'd be delighted to do so. So thanks very much for listening, and I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. <laughs>